welcome to another edition of At the Devil's Ball. Uh, I am Nathaniel. And I'm Samuel. And this is a podcast where we talk about horror movies in a positive and constructive manner. Uh, this week we are joined by a very special guest. She is the, uh, she's one of the members of the uh, Gals of Geekdom podcast. A very, very, very good podcast uh, that um, I've, I've listened to a couple of times. It's uh, always an interesting and fun conversation. Um and a very important conversation, I think. Uh, but we have Crystal Williams with us this week. Hello, everybody. Uh, Crystal, thanks for joining us. Thank you um, for having me. Yeah. And this week, uh, you chose uh, Videodrome. You asked yes. uh, we uh, when I asked you what you would like to talk about, which um, we're excited about. Videodrome is, yeah. is a hell of a lot of fun. Um, before we jump into that, Sam's going to do the vital stats on Videodrome, and then we'll jump into the conversation. Sounds good. Uh, Videodrome was released on February 4th, 1983. Directed and written by David Cronenberg. As far as cast, we've got James Woods as Max Wren, Debbie Harry as Nikki Brand, Sanja Smiths as Bianca Oblivion, Peter Dvorsky as Harlan, Leslie Carlson as Barry Convex, Jax Crowley as Brian Oblivion, Lynn Gorman as Masha, and, uh, and uh, Julie Kanner as Bridie. Uh, special effects were done by Rick Baker. Yeah, always got to mention, make sure we mention Rick Baker, uh, yes. one of the all-time greats. Coming uh, off of uh, American Werewolf in London. Yeah, yeah, uh, hell of a talent, hell of a talent. Uh, so, Crystal, uh, when I asked you about, uh, well, actually, first of all, tell us a little bit about Gals Geekdom before we uh, jump into the video room. Uh, oh, tell, tell us about that show and, and how that got started. Sure, uh, yeah, so Gals Geekdom is a show I started with... Um, two of my other friends um, back in 2020. Um, but since then, they actually left the show in early 2021. So I have added my other, you know, close friends that I, I met through the Twitters, um, you know, Jazzy and Lizzie, and they have provided such an interesting uh, depth to our show. We like to have guests on our show. There's no like real structure to it. We generally will talk about everything geekdom related in film. But we'll also just social politics are kind of inherent when you're having multiple trans people on the podcast. So that's all right. obviously right. like unavoidable. Um, so yeah, it kind of just a fun conversation we do every week. Sometimes we'll get guests. Um, I think one of the bigger guests we've had were like Mars Girl, Kaylin Sosedo has come on oh. our show. Uh, if you're familiar, or Jesse Gender has been on mm-hmm. our show. A big fan um, of hers. Yes, she makes uh, great content, and she's also an incredibly nice person. Um, so, yeah, we sometimes we'll get guests uh, working to hopefully get some more interesting guests soon. And I like, I like that we have a show where kind of anything goes. So there's no yeah. real structure. Awesome, awesome. I've I've, I've listened to it. I like the uh, uh, I like the the uh, sort of social politics uh, aspect. I think that yeah. Uh, We've we've talked we we delve into it a little bit here, right. um, but uh, but yeah we because uh, we're definitely not um, uh, we we find apolitical, apolitical. Yeah. yeah we're not apolitical apolitical is for cowards um, right. but yeah we I uh, agree. yeah but um, <laughs> but yeah so I, I really appreciate it. and obviously uh, as a horror podcast and um, we're both uh, general geeks as well we both like comics and Star Wars right. and everything like that but um, all of this is inherently political. And uh, it has a ton of uh, ton of political statements to it, and so obviously, and uh, this movie is no different, I think. But oh, avoiding uh, that, 
be a disservice to that film. Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, so um, when I asked you to be on the show uh, uh, and I asked you what you want to do, you said Videodrome. Uh, why Videodrome? Honestly, like, so recently I got, I was lucky to stay away from it for so long, but I finally got COVID uh, in June. Uh, and I guess me and my sick brain decided that, you know, this is the, the time I'm going to start diving into Cronenberg's work. So, because uh, I hadn't really done that before, surprisingly. So I just decided to go with Videodrome, partially because it was really easily available on Tubi to watch for free. Uh, but I needed some sort of interesting body horror film. And what I got was a lot more uh, nuance and a lot more interesting than even I was expecting. So, right. so, <laughs> so it's, yeah, it just became a favorite. Um, like immediately, like I loved it. Like yeah. I was just, I was blown away by it. Like I had seen obviously pictures and clips. I'm, I've been a right. horror fan for a long time. I, I was going to run into it through other means at some point. But right. seeing the entirety of it is a, is a different experience. For sure, for sure. Uh, so where do we begin with uh, breaking down video drums? Sam, what do you think? Well, I mean, uh, I guess we start with uh, the themes of it. I mean, uh, pirate TV and, and video violence. I mean, mm -hmm. it's always a good place to start. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's... it's, it's uh, yeah, so I mean, yeah, the general uh, general premise of the film is uh, is that Max Wren, played by uh, James Woods, who uh, whose awfulness has somewhat diminished, I think, this movie a little bit, but no, um, only a little, only a little. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we still have Debbie Harry, but right. um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, like, he's a terrible person, but yeah, but I will say he gives a great performance in the film. So yes. unfortunately, talented people can also be awful. Yeah, that right. is very true. Yeah, he's always on the uh, the conservative list of like our celebrities are better, and I'm like, you've got James Woods, and that's it. Like, right. <laughs> like, um, yeah, okay, like John Voight. I mean, like, you know, right. Kevin Sorbo. Like, congratulations <laughs> on the Kevin Sorbo. Um, Dean Kane. Yeah, Zena was better anyway. Zena was way better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, Max Wren is uh, a uh, TV programmer uh, running a, uh, a, a smut uh, network uh, in Toronto, right. and uh, and basically he ends up uh, in between uh, two very different uh, what do you want to call it political forces that right. are attempting to control the media, uh, control the masses in their own method, in their own way. Um, so Sam, by, by saying uh, by pirate TV and, and uh, violence on television, are you talking about, uh, do, you, do you take away that this movie is, is very heavily about uh, content or? Oh uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's about uh, content, but I don't think it's, it's saying it in a um, uh, demeaning fashion. I think it's just commenting on it. Um, I don't think it, you know, it's it's like not a scare film to try to scare you away from, you know, horror movies and stuff like that. It's right. very much one of them. Um, but just the the fact that, like, you know, it's um, what is it? Civic TV um, is, you know, a UHF station that's just kind of struggling, and you know, they know that they're the only way to do that is by sensationalism, and um, 
being 1983, I mean, this is the start of where cable TV really took off and um, the very, very beginning of home media, you know, as far as like video stores and stuff like that, um, to where people could, you know, basically plug into whatever they desired, it, it seemed like at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, how far they'll go to to get those views is a good place at the beginning to really start with the film. Okay. Uh, so you're so the idea of um, uh, what you're getting at is sort of the idea of of the of, of an examination of of what it takes to get viewers people's attentions. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Crystal, what do, you, do you have any thoughts on that? Oh, I, I think that's, I think, what I think is most interesting about video drama is that there, there can be a lot of different interpretations taken from it. Mm-hmm. Um, one of that being what companies and what people are wanting to do to get sort of viewership or to get their eyes into the public. But I also, there was something mm-hmm. I was thinking about because I, I had read a quote from Cronenberg that, that said that he views um, te- technology as an extension of humanity. Uh, in that it's like sort of like the next like evolution almost biological in a way which is kind of explaining the weird combination of his body horror mixed in with the the technology that's kind of present throughout the film and I think I think he doesn't he doesn't view you could easily read the film as like some sort of combination of like television but it's not that it's more like how uh, the technology is used uh, and abused by certain people for certain gains. Right. But the, the only thing he seems to really be kind of condemning there is 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 corporate uh, culture. Right. Uh, um, Which is you know, pretty yeah, it's pretty apparent. You know, even these even these smut peddlers on you know Civic you know eighty three or whatever is are are good guys of the film. You know, they're the ones who are. You know, they're not good guys, but they're they're the protagonists of the film. They're right. Not, yeah. This movie has a lot there. of a lot of moral relativism. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't think there is a good person in this film. <laughs> no, I agree. Yeah, I agree. The closest I think we have is Nikki. Um, right. And yeah. uh, it was something I was thinking about last night that uh, uh, it's interesting to as I was uh, forming very heady thoughts on the picture. Uh, I was sort of like, you know, uh, it's interesting to me that the most wholesome activity in this entire film is the consenting uh, sadomasochistic relationship between Nikki and Max Wren Um, that it's actually like the nicest thing that happens in the movie is basically like him like like, like whipping her her and piercing her ears and stuff like uh, because it is because it is consensual and I think Videodrome is very much about consent Mm -hmm. um, uh it's so I was kind of like, you know, and I, but I was reading up on it as I, as I sometimes do on like TV shows on Wikipedia and seeing other people's opinions of the film. And one of the things that people were saying was that Max Wren is an innocent victim. And I'm like, mm, in a no. way, right. uh, you know, uh, you know, yes, he is. He doesn't deserve to become a sleeper agent, you know, right. that will ultimately blow his own head off. Uh, but he's a victim, but he's not an innocent victim. victim. Yes. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. And um, I was kind of like, you know, innocence is not really something that plays into this movie. Um, right. uh, 
but it's uh, it's interesting to me that uh, that moral relativism is is sort of there. But yeah, I mean, I think that what we've got here it's interesting also that I, I was thinking about this because it's uh, it's also a major theme in Cronenberg's most recent film. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen it. Um, Not yet, uh, but I want to. Yeah, I won't spoil anything on it. It's way too new for me to for me to do that. But it generally has the same, most more or less the same basic plot, which is uh, an individual who is sort of exploiting a current system for mm-hmm. money uh, or self-gain, uh, who becomes uh, a pawn in between two very different, one radicalized uh, sort of revolutionary group that wants to change the the definition of humanity, which I think is plays very dif- very heavily into almost all Cronenberg. Yeah, uh, what is a person? What is human? Um, and then a political force that wants to maintain the status quo for power. And, um, but both films have that, that same general, uh, concept of very much about control of the body. And, uh, because obviously in Cronenberg world, the, uh, the ethereal and the physical are indivisible. Like he, he wants to make the, uh, that the body and spirit are one. Uh, which allows the body horror aspect, which is, uh, please forgive me, I'm trying to, uh, uh, I've actually just woken up, so I'm kind of like <laughs> putting, putting ideas together. So please don't, so um, I work overnights, Crystal. So I, I, I'm up, I get up uh, late today. Yep. Um, uh, but yeah, it's, um, and sometimes I start babbling. So at any point, Crystal, also, you should know that the rules of the show, just jump right in. You don't have to right. wait for, uh, for a cue. You could just shut me up at any time if you want something to say. No, I, but, like, I like listening to what you're saying. So Okay, great. <laughs> well, at least, at least you do. Sam hates it. Um, <laughs> I love it. I yeah, love it. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, my, my, my point is that, you know, it, that body horror, when done well, is a story of, of humanity and of the externalization of the internal. And so it's, it's, I forgot where I was going with this. Um, oh. But generally the idea of what we were tying it, we were tying it into what we've, we're, where we are right now in the conversation is uh, content uh, overkill in terms of gain of gaining viewership and right. political power controlling that viewership uh right yes uh so the idea of um immoral relativism but you have a, a political force that wants to politically control uh in this case in videodrome what's different between this film and uh crimes of the future is that it's more about uh morality but it's not really about morality it's right. about uh it's about control because uh, to me, that's what Videodrome is about. Videodrome is very much yeah. about control and consent. Uh, because as uh, as Crystal said, there's no good guy in this movie. Uh, our radicalized group, in fact, uh, want to change humanity without their consent. Right. They just want to change everybody into the next form of humanity, uh, which they believe is the, for the good. But um, it's not good for Max Wren. No. Um, or that's, anybody that's, else they've tried that out on. I mean, and now I'm back to where I was going with this. Okay, because the idea was about consent. Mm-hmm. Where I was talking about the most wholesome thing in this movie, in my mind, is the Max Ren uh, Nikki uh, relationship, uh, so to speak, mm-hmm. the SM stuff. Because this movie is so much about, in my mind, the idea of consent 
uh, of, of, uh, in control of the body, control of the mind, control mm-hmm. of humanity, the definition of human um, is so important uh, and all the more prescient today, uh, considering the, the laws that are being passed uh, in multiple states about mm-hmm. controlling the body, controlling the identity. Um, that is just a really fascinating concept of uh, a fascinating a- a element and I'm going to kick it to somebody else because I've been talking for too long. I, I, I rant and I get ranty. right. So no, I think I think I think your point is interesting. I can also see it as a uh, commentary in addition to your point about bodily autonomy and how important that is. Uh, you mentioned with uh, the laws being passed, you know, as 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 someone who is who's trans, I, I understand that the importance and the need for bodily autonomy because uh, the powers that be definitely want to strip the rights of myself and mm-hmm. of right. anyone who can get pregnant. Uh, yes. But uh, what I do find interesting about discussing works about bodily autonomy, consent, consent and like body horror. Um, I mean, there's 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 a lot of there's a lot of inherent like gender discussions to be had around that as well. I mean, like like who who controls your body who who determines what it is do you control your own life do you make the decisions um that you need to to make yourself happy who's you know like who's stepping in the way of that i do feel like cronenberg i think he recently acknowledged trans people in some way in like some sort of interview he did but i do find it fascinating that like how interconnected that can be um so I feel like this film isn't isn't the I think isn't the most like I think prescient example of like necessarily transformation of body or in terms of like gender per se, but it's there, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but I also think the, that your your concept of it being about consent is it's so important. Like like even the videos and stuff that they're that that he's trying to air and stuff very much is about breaking consent. So it's mm-hmm. interesting when his consent is bro- breaking, you know, broken liter- literally, yes. I guess, well, you can either take it literally or figuratively. It's very much, you know, there's no line between what's actually physically happening to his body versus, right. you know, but I think that's what makes it fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Sam, do you have anything to add to that? Oh yeah. I mean, it's, um, you know, especially since like he, in a way, consented at the very beginning when he wanted to watch, you know, video jump in the first place. But like then, you know, it, his consent was taken away from him. Um, and obviously, you know, consent can be rescinded at any time. And this movie doesn't, you know, shows what happens when that doesn't happen, um, when it isn't listened to. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also a lot about, um, how what we perceive and what we interact with, you know, affect us personally and how we think and how we react to the world. Um, I think it's important, you know, to sh- that this film is about how media programs us to in to interpret and interact with the world. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's interesting because actually. Um, uh, the character of Brian Oblivion mm-hmm. is uh, 
is based on a real guy by the name of Marshall McLuhan, uh, who was a uh, philosopher and lecturer at University of Toronto when Cronenberg was there. And um, as is the case with almost any philosopher writing in the 60s, uh, it's involved and sometimes uh, irritating as hell. Um, but, um, uh, and believe me, I read a ton of it in college and I, uh, most of it, I didn't appreciate, uh, but the idea of, uh, that Marshall McLuhan had was, uh, content doesn't actually matter. Uh, he said there, uh, rather controversially, it said, uh, mm-hmm. uh, there's no difference between children's programming and pornography. Uh, right. it all, it's all just noise. Uh, his mantra was the, the medium is the message. And um, and he was kind of kind of talking about the idea that actually uh, what you show on the television doesn't matter. The television itself is what's affecting affecting your reality. Um, he also he would use and he used that for almost all technology that was right. uh, moderated for the masses. It was the idea of like he used a light bulb as uh, mm-hmm. as an example that the light bulb changed reality forever. Um, it's technology that has no in, no inherent value or content. But it illuminates dark places when it before it could, um, and so it's this. Uh, so that's, I think, the perception of reality is obviously very important here, uh, but also so is McLuhan's uh, viewpoints, which is also Brian Oblivion's viewpoint, which is that we're going to move people in a way that our perception of reality and what is reality are going to be changed uh, in a way that's better for everybody. Um, now, I, I feel like we should just we should jump into like why that's bad, like because uh, I feel like do we I mean, for, uh, evolution is a, usually a positive thing. We're going to change right. change society in a direction that is that is beneficial. Um, uh, it's so. Uh, but the people who are trying to evolve society in this in this case are. Uh, people who are trying to maintain maintain control and to to punish what it sees as weakness in North America. Yeah, the bad so, guys are right. Yeah, uh, Brian Oblivion's group, the the Oblivion. Brian, side Oblivion. The, yeah, the cathode ray mission people. Right, not so much. Yeah, they want to push uh, an evolution that is that they think is gonna, you know, go all. Uh, trying to think of like the there's like an anime or something about that where the like the plot is to move everybody into a new form of life or something right. i can't remember now though um but yeah it's just it's, a general age of aquarius stuff you know so, yeah yeah you it's know. very it's very hippie yeah. right um but they're uh, they're pushing towards uh a, an awakening of sorts mm-hmm. um that probably people aren't ready for max Ren certainly isn't ready for it right um although the argument is max Ren. I, I feel like the the argument of uh, of oblivion of the oblivion side Bianca Oblivion because obviously Professor Oblivion is dead well before the beginning of the right. picture, of picture um, is uh, I think but I feel like their argument would be like well yeah but they did it first right um, which justifies <laughs> our behavior it's it's very they seem more interested in, in having um, having humanity have a, a shared experience. Um, right. As opposed to uh, the bad guys who are, you know, trying to use it just for control and for, you know, what they can make people do. Yeah. Well, I guess I missed. I made a. I made a. Uh, I made a blanket statement that I probably shouldn't mm-hmm. have. I mean, do we think that's bad? 
I mean, like, what do you guys think? Like, what do we think about the oblivion side uh, of this uh, of this argument about uh, using technology to to ex to evolve? Uh, what do we think about that? Generally speaking, oh. I'm for it, but um, in this case, no, <laughs> I don't. I don't. Well, right. I, I don't think, think brain the tumors are the way to go. Film. Yeah, the way this it's framed in this film does it doesn't seem like that's a positive thing. <laughs> like, right. there's I don't I don't. It seems like a group that's that wants or feels like they can do the work for people, but it's incredibly misguided in that approach, and it's so narrow-minded <laughs> in its goal. Right, right. That's about bringing back the topic around consent, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's and yeah, that's what I. That's kind of what I mean is that it's like yeah, uh, generally evolving humanity is a positive thing, but if you're not going to include them in that decision. Um, right. it becomes a problem. Uh, now, obviously, the villains are villains. They are. Uh, they they want to remove smut from right. reality itself. Um, uh, ironically, they want to get rid of sex and violence on TV by performing acts of sex and violence. Um, right. And uh, and that's why. Uh, and that's the the what's interesting to me is again the, that moral relativism of the idea of like they're like well we want to remove these harmful harmful images from people mm -hmm. um but they don't really want to har remove harmful images from people they want to control people right um and uh which is why it which is usually how the dialogue goes um it you know the people who say that they're trying to just remove something harmful from society you know right. are, are often just hiding the fact that they want to control people right right well no, yeah we want to eliminate we're going to make a uh don't say gay bill right in florida to protect the children uh but what it's really about is we don't want gay people around right right yeah um which is you know again i can't stay enough monstrous yeah yeah monstrous. right um but yeah the much like the guys in video drum are monstrous um but yeah it's trying to find a good segue um me talk me talk good um uh me podcast good uh yeah i mean I, and crystal you mentioned that you don't you don't think in this particular film that uh that gender identity is is uh a relevant uh area in this film um I think when you're discussing any horror, it's important to look at, to try and mm -hmm. enter through a gender lens, because that's inherent in that mm -hmm. discussion. But I also think that uh, of that, I mean, there's discussions of gender for sure, but I don't, I don't feel like that is mm -hmm. what Cronenberg is, is, is getting at with this film. Right. I think there's a little bit of it. I, um, I want to talk about the chest vagina, um, mm -hmm. and uh, which everybody's very oh, yeah that's yeah everybody's kind of coy about that. A lot of people call it like a slit, um, right? A slit in his chest. I'm like, why are we so coy about this? Like, it's it's a it's it's a vagina. It's yeah. a vagina. Uh, right. Yeah, he, he it's, has a it's made to contain guns and Betamax VHS tape. It's a vagina, regardless. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. he he. He's poking it with a phallic object. I mean, he's essentially masturbating right. with it in his apartment. Um, uh, and um, and he's, he's raped. 
more than once. It, yeah, it, that's it, what I was going to say. We're talking yeah. about consent. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, uh, but I also find it interesting that not only does he kind of grow this vagina, but he also grows like a penis gun out of his hand. And so my thought process was like, here we are talking somewhat about uh, gender or gendered uh, Mm -hmm. aspects that, um, uh, that ultimately uh, represent a loss of identity in the sense of, of almost like uh, gender identity being removed from him by giving him both. Right. It's um, like his identity is stripped down uh, in this manner by basically making by boiling him down to nothing but sex and violence. Like he's just right. fucked or be fucked or or, or be yeah. fucked. Um, and um, it's uh, and to me, that's that's really interesting to kind of utilize genitalia as an image to create uh, a, a notion of loss of gender identity um and loss of identity in general right um but also incidentally i think it's also it's something i haven't seen really mentioned is that he's rendered down to just sex and violence which is what he promotes on his television right station uh and i mean there's a a great line of uh they're like well this show won't make any sense without the story and he's like who cares about the story right um it's like that ultimately he becomes like, well, who cares about Max Ren's story? He's just, he's just the sum of his parts. He's just right. sex and violence now. Um, I think that that's really, really interesting. Um, and that in that Cronenberg is utilizing genitalia image to represent identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's really fascinating. That- yeah. That makes no, no, that makes a lot of sense. I guess, I guess what I meant when I said that, like, you know, I don't see gender identity as as the biggest issue in this film, but I think it's inherent in any film of Cronenberg's right. work or in any film of body horror. Yeah, like it's it's always going to be there. I I don't I don't think Cronenberg was uh was necessarily thinking about gender identity specifically for this film as opposed to to focusing more on the, the themes of bodily autonomy and control you know right yeah yeah no and i and i agree with that i think that um and i do think i don't know if it was on his mind very much yeah right no. that's yeah. yeah um but definitely i think uh personal identity might might have been but maybe not gender yeah. identity not, yeah not gender identity, no yeah no, personal identity is is definitely something that's on his mind. Yeah, right. Uh, and I, but I think that's what I, what I mean by that is I think like gender, as the idea of that gender or sexuality is part of one's identity, um, that it ultimately becomes something uh, very very tangible. But um, but yeah. Um, so we're all over the place. Let's let's see if right. we can we can get this uh, focused down. Um, Crystal, what's something that you want to talk about about this movie? Like what what uh, what's what's a topic or take that you specifically uh, uh, feel feel strongly about if you have? One? I I just think it's a really interesting and even as 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 dated as the technology present in the film like has become. Um, I still feel like its narrative, its message, and its uh, like understanding of technology bleeding into humanity is something that's even more like prescient today than maybe even at the time. I feel like 
like the idea of him literally becoming part of his gun uh that's a really interesting like someone would try and do this film in like 2022 and make it about a cell phone turning into someone so they're they're, they're doing that (laughs) yeah so i feel like yeah i feel like in a way cronenberg's concepts about uh evolution um technology humanity all kind of wrapped together is kind of ahead of its time in a lot of ways i think this film speaks to something that's that's you know it's happening now it just it's it's in it's in a different um he just was ahead on the curve on that one right (laughs) and i know when it was released it wasn't the most um well-regarded film of the time no Um, it was a a box office bomb yeah 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 Yeah. and i feel like as time has gone on the film just kind of proves it proves it proves itself more yeah it's a cult classic now yeah uh, and is often regarded as, as most people usually either say either Videodrome or The Fly or David Cronenberg's mm-hmm. work. Um, yeah. That's usually uh, usually how that conversation goes. I liked uh, uh, Shivers, but uh, I thought Shivers was really great. Shivers, Shivers was good. Yeah, Shivers is a really great movie. I like, I like all of his work. Uh, right. Objectively speaking, I think he's probably his best work is actually probably like History of Violence. Like, you mm-hmm. know, but it's not it's not Cronenberg, you know, it's right. not body horror. Um, you know, everybody wants body horror when they go see a Cronenberg movie. Right. So it's a little bit uh, jarring to watch um, uh, Maps to the Stars, you know, right. which, is, which is actually a pretty bad movie. But uh, I haven't seen that one, no. Uh, I would, it's, it, it's interesting, it's worth watching because it's such a, uh, it's such a strange outing, but um, right. it's, uh, it's not good. Um, right. But uh, actually, then he, we would go on to make um, uh, God, what's that movie? Robert Pattinson. We basically just drives around in the car the whole time. Right. Uh, I can't remember the name of that. Uh, it's great. It's really good. Yeah, that was but, good. Uh, yeah, it was a really great movie. But um, and again, was that Cosmopolis? That... Cosmopolis. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. It was. It was actually really good. Um, but um, but yeah, it's interesting to me that. Uh, uh, Cronenberg is another filmmaker that I think is very much interested in taking on uh, the powers that be. Um, he's uh, because that's the thing is I, I feel like Videodrome is, and I probably should have opened with this honestly. Uh, was the is that it's it's frequently mentioned as a movie that's about consumerism mm-hmm. or about the uh, the way media controls perception. And I don't think it's really about that. I think that uh, the content, the TV. Right. what's on the tv is somewhat irrelevant i think that cronenberg is is very much making a statement more about uh, as i think sam you kind of alluded to this of mm-hmm. uh how you use it right um that by itself it's neutral it's just uh uh it's just a thing um that he's very much uh like we've talked we talked well, about well there's even the fact that they said that the video drum signal can be put under anything it's not it's not necessarily tied to that bdsm you know show right. that right. he watched you know you could be under the the weekly news or you know a teletubbies video or whatever yeah. you know right right which might be more horrifying than anything in video drum but that's neither here nor there teletubbies teletubbies yeah 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 that's pretty creepy stuff yeah um, I don't think I've ever seen the Zelotubbies, but anyway, um, I think oh, I've seen like, yeah, I, I know I knew people in high school that would get high and watch it. I was like, right. Yeah. 
But anyway, <laughs> we're talking about Teletubbies. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, the it, it, it's, uh, so I mean, I, I look at this film and I see a movie that is very much, and most of Cronenberg's work is very much about uh, uh, technology, the, okay, here's a question for the group. Okay. All right. Uh, so again, we've talked about, Crystal talked about, we talked about the idea of merging with technology. We've talked about uh, uh, that sort of evolutionary track of, um, of moving humanity forward uh, in that respect. Do, we, do you think that personally and in this movie, uh, that's a good thing? Do you think that... Uh, yeah, I want. I, I mean, I want the. So the movie is the movie saying that the merging of technology is good or bad, and do you think the merging of technology is good or bad? If that makes sense. I I, I guess I have to say that I think the, I think the movie, doesn't necessarily, give a moral stance. You know whether or not the idea of merging with technology, is like good or bad but it's about the thought process of how i guess it's framed in a way you know i i feel like in my own personal thing i think the merging of like humanity and technology is just kind of like normal evolution of people like we've kind of been as 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 time moves forward every generation has some sort of new technological advancement that makes us or at least supposedly makes us uh more in tune or more understanding of the world supposed to but i i think it's just a natural progression of humanity it's just another another step in the evolutionary chain okay so you think that uh you think that uh, uh that technology is directly linked to to the forward movement of humanity, not a, not a step backwards. Right. So, yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Okay. I, I would say that the film isn't even interested in, in moralizing whether it's good or bad. It just, it just is, it's happening. It's, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a thing that's occurring. Yeah. Um, but as far as personally, um, you know, I think it's, it's mostly a good thing. I mean, you know, as first, for as much you know crap as you know social media and the internet you know has has brought upon the world it's also brought a lot of people together it's also you know, connected connected us in a way that you know weren't we weren't before we weren't able to connect with other people or other you know cultures or, or anything you know right so i think it's i think mostly it's a good thing um but it has to be you know done in the in a good way it's you know places places like you know a parlor or you know right whatever whatever hate site of the week you know there is um aren't evolving us they're you know doing quite the opposite right right well i mean you could make an argument that it is evolving it, it is actually helping to evolve because it's kind of showing who the evolutionary cul-de-sac is but, right uh, you know that's not true to, that's true not that i'm advocating the neanderthal solution but uh, right. you know uh, or Cro-Magnon the Neanderthal killed the Cro-Magnon right I believe so yeah okay yeah. um and then the Neanderthals were you know bred out and bred in right 
Right. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I just think it's interesting that we, because this is a conversation that I think keeps happening online, which is, uh, you know, there, mm-hmm. there's inevitably somebody that says like, put the phone down and go touch grass. Right. Uh, you know, do, do, are we over reliant on it? Um, uh, ultimately, I agree with you. I think that uh, with both of you, I think the film isn't all that interested in its actual moral implication. I think only the antagonists are interested in this moral implication. Right. Um, <clears throat> whereas uh, our protagonist, uh, our audience proxy, uh, views the views it as a, a neutral force that will, uh, and a very capitalistic force as well, mm-hmm. that uh, very much says like you know that's this is how we make money uh, through through content that might be considered immoral, uh, right. you know. Um, but very much, uh, I think the main the 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 main idea is that technology in and of itself is supposed to be a good thing. Um, it's just that when someone wants to weaponize it, right, uh, we start having a problem. Um, uh, so, so to avoid a uh, 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 sorry, Daryl Hannah situation. Uh, let's talk about the performances now. We've talked about the themes for a while. Let's let's talk. Let's actually de- delve into the actual like kind of movie in of itself. Um, I want to talk about Debbie Harry uh, because I think she's great in this. She um, is. She's yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah, and um, she didn't make an awful lot of movies. Uh, no. She was obviously she was famous for being in uh, the lead singer of Blondie, um, which Sam and I are old enough to remember Blondie. I don't know. Right. Crystal, I don't know how old you are, and I'm not going to ask because uh, <laughs> you don't ask a lady your age. But, right. um, but uh, I, I don't. Uh, it's actually something I actually kind of wanted to bring up was also the idea that like Sam and I are also old enough to remember the world before internet, um, right. before that proliferation of technology, uh, which is, and I don't know if it was any better. Uh, although I was, how old was I when internet became a household thing? Like 11, 12, right. 13? But either way, I still remember it. Um, but yeah, I remember I remember seeing Blondie on MTV. Actually, it was no by then it would have been VH1 because mm-hmm. VH1, VH1 uh, MTV was showing all modern. Blondie was a little bit had kind of a little, little older at that point. Faded yeah. out by the time I was really uh, getting into music. But right. Um, but it's interesting to me that she's she's. I think she's probably giving one of the best performances in the movie, but yet she didn't mm-hmm. go on to do an awful lot. But. Um, uh, what do we think about uh, Debbie Harry and her character in this movie? I think, well, not only her performance is good, but I think, I think that her character is an or is an interesting, um, like, almost used for exposition in the mm-hmm. film as much as it can possibly be, uh, be given. But I feel like she's directly tied to the main theme. Like they used her character is not just, is not really a, I mean, it is a present force in it, but it becomes much more like a talking point for Cronenberg himself, if that makes sense. Right. Uh, it does. Can you elaborate on it a little bit more though? What do you mean by that? I mean, sure. Yeah. Like I said, she becomes kind of like the, uh, the main tool of the exposition, giving the audience enough information of what it needs to assess and understand the themes. Um, but keeping, I guess, the mystery of the ethereal sort of present. Right. And I think it's really interesting how she, the later half of the movie, she mainly just shows up like 
through the technology through TV. Yeah, she's a hallucination um, for most of the picture. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that's that is an interesting um, kind of like almost like Brian of Oblivion. Yeah. As well, kind of becomes into that sort of position in the film. Um, I'm, you know, I'm not I'm not exactly sure what what Cronenberg himself was trying to um, to necessarily make statement. We don't know. All we can do is interpret, right? Like, right, right, right. Um, but I do think find it fascinating how she leaves the film early on, and that character almost becomes no more. She becomes right. something else when she's not like actually present in the scene, which I think is interesting. Yeah, it's 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 a good. She pulled it off very well too, because it doesn't yes. you know feel like jarring or like you know that you're looking at the same character when she when she becomes you know a purely video character right yeah i'm, I'm trying to i'm trying to follow the the thought process of what we're getting at um mm-hmm. uh, so as a force of force of exposition and a force of mm-hmm. um when she becomes a purely video character she she ultimately is is sort of this representation do you think that she represents uh what's left of max friend's humanity or what does she what is she representing when she is a video character in in people's minds she's well, for me, almost was, feels like an extension of brian oblivion in a way yeah like like I, i'm not sure if it's connecting to max's humanity it feels like she's just another part of the forces that are manipulating him Right. Yeah, I was going to say, for me, it's, um, she almost has a parallel story to, to Max's, um, in a way, you know, she starts off, she said she works in radio instead of uh, television, you know, but they both are involved in, you know, emotionally manipulating their audiences. Um, and her, her um, interest in, um, in Videodrome mirrors max's and you know the the things that happen to her also mirror what max is going through because you know she decides to go investigate it and you know, she's killed we we assume um i mean they say that she was killed but you know in the movie like this you're never 100 percent sure what's going on yeah who's telling um, the truth yeah right yeah. um <clears throat> and she becomes a tool for them you know, they just bring her out and use her to manipulate him over and over again, just like he's being used to, you know, deal with their enemies over and over again. Okay, I think that's where I think that's where I'm I'm uh, I'm differing. I'm not certain she's actually being used by Videodrome. I think that because by the point she becomes a video character. Well, they, I mean, they do say that they used her to entice him. And oh yeah, I mean, I know. guess they do say they used it, but but you uh, know, again, they could be lying. You know? Right. Uh, my because my viewpoint was always that um, by the point she starts popping up on television, mm-hmm. he's already in it. Um, he's already being changed uh, right. to the point that I, I that I wasn't sure that what he was actually seeing on TV was actually a broadcast or just something in his head. Mm-hmm. Um, because obviously, like we talked about the chest vagina and all that stuff isn't physically real. He doesn't right. actually have one. Uh, it's how he perceives uh what they're what they're doing uh so i guess i always thought that she wasn't that she was just dead 
and that they weren't really using her. Um, but now that you say that, I mean, I think that that, that, that dichotomy is interesting in the sense of uh, that her becoming a tool of Videodrome mm-hmm. as, as Max Wren is, is not something I considered. Right. Um, and there's also the fact that the movie, you know, basically says that you know, perception is reality. So, I mean, I'm not saying all these things literally happened, but that, you know, they should be treated as reality see them on screen right right well i love i I love brian oblivion and i've kind of uh i think um i'm surprised no one's done it um Mm -hmm. although i guess marshall McLuhan kind of did it uh i guess he would when he appeared on television he'd appear through broadcast um Ah. from what i understand um which is of course you know pretentious quirky shit but (laughs) uh you know um, but I, I actually thought about it way back when I like first started Twitter. I was like, I should just do all my comments in video form, but that right. would be exhausting. Right. Um, you know, but I was like, I'm surprised no one's done it. Like I, I only appear on social media by, by means of social media, uh, right. the Brian Oblivion thing. Um, I will only int- speak of myself in the third person, you know? It's yeah. Just- yes. Yeah. Um, he's such a, he's such a fascinating figure. Uh, that um, I feel like we're almost disappointed when we find out he's dead. Um, I think we were hoping, I feel like when I watched this movie, I was really hoping like there would be some sort of real payoff to uh, to that character. A a sermon or something, you know, there's, there's so little of him in in the final film. Um, I'm sure there was more, you know, behind that they, that they cut out, but yeah, I know. Yeah. I know Cronenberg like, liked at that time to make his films uh lean you know right. yeah he still does uh, yeah yeah i i i loved that uh, i went in uh to uh, crimes of the future expecting like okay i gotta be here for three hours and it was no it was like you know 100 minutes right. like it was actually he kept it he kept it trim um i don't think he's ever made like his his sprawling epic the way right. others others have um i, I think that's a good thing i, I, think I agree good. yeah I agree. I think that I think Cronenberg actually, I think that somewhat respects his audience's time. Um, and it cares about an actual concise, specific story. He, uh, there is some stuff that was cut out of Videodrome um, from the, but they were, I don't think they were ever rolled film on. I know he did yeah. mention, I guess the novelization has a, uh, an image of the, of a TV coming out of a bathtub, like right. Venus de Milo on the uh, seashell. Um, was, no, it wasn't Venus de Milo, it was on the seashell. Who's the seashell lady? I don't know. I don't remember. No, okay. no, no, I don't, it doesn't matter. But yeah. apparently, they were gonna do that image, and then I guess at the end of the film, uh, they were gonna have uh, Max Ryan and Nikki in the video on the video drum set, uh, with like creatures coming out of chest vaginas. But um, he cut it, he cut it because he didn't want to portray, uh, have the audience confuse it for an afterlife um right because he doesn't believe in afterlife so he was like i don't want to put that in the movie but also apparently it was going to be prohibitively expensive as well right um well yeah yeah well they went so far as they went so far as to you know build the try to figure out how to make a tv waterproof for that scene i know that um yeah yeah and but the way this film was shot like i guess you know the script wasn't finalized when they had to start so a lot of this stuff was, you know, being changed on the fly. Yeah. 
yeah independent filmmaking at its right. finest where you kind of have to fly by the seat of your pants because you actually aren't ready yet um, right yeah uh, i think it's yeah. interesting that a thoughtful and concise film as this can right. just be like a lot of it was just on the spot you know right. like i think that's really interesting yeah they had to get the film done by you know december 31st per you know the canadian film budget rules or something like that so yeah they the canadian government backed the film right uh uh to help promote toronto which is a funny concept but um <laughs> which is this is the dirtiest toronto has ever it's the dirty, yeah it's, it's it's like a filthy right. filthy dystopian toronto but right like, yeah but the tourism bureau gave him bureau gave him money uh to uh to promote the to to make the film um and supposedly i think the guy who played the uh, investor of the Japanese show, the guy who brought the tapes, mm-hmm. would ultimately go on to be like a member of parliament or something in Canada. Oh, wow. And apparently, right. like he, he kind of ruled against movies like Videodrome, <laughs> right? Yeah, later in the future, like he was kind of like, yeah, I'm actually kind of he's like a conservative politician, right? Uh, but interestingly enough, he's in this movie kind of being like, I'm a smut promoter, and right. so apparently, when people mentioned it to him, mentioned it to him, he would kind of like hide his face, right? But um. But yeah, it's uh, uh, yeah. Let's talk. Let's talk about that a little bit before we uh, before we wrap up. Uh, um, uh, the the shows within a show. Uh-huh. Um, what do you guys think of those? Are they interesting looking? I mean, like what? I mean, Samurai Dreams. The 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 segment we show had me laugh out loud. And I mean, it's it's. Maybe it's just I'm a 12 year old at heart, but uh, you know, the little doll dressed up, dildo dressed up like a doll, was hilarious to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The what segments about- within the movie are just, you know, those little things are, are so, uh, so off the wall in its own way. I think I right. guess it fits to the universe that Cronenberg is crafting with this, where even the programs, you know, the the fictional programs that people are supposed to like. Are also just off kilter as well. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think he definitely had a sense of humor about them. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. for sure. Uh, yeah, like they were, they were, they're, they're ridiculous, cheap-looking, right. uh, you know, softcore porn. Um, that and the one that Masha brings, I think, is is interesting because it's so out of date, out of touch. Um, it's it's so tame that you know they're like what what do we even do with this yeah you know he's like this is this is nothing you've brought me yeah uh with apollo and dionysus or yeah, whatever apollo it was called yeah. yeah yeah uh no it reminded me very much of um both uh two other two other notable projects have done it uh, mm-hmm. uh david lynch did it in twin peaks right invitation um, to love invitation to love yep um which was uh self-parody He's like, here's the soap opera within my like weird little soap opera, uh, and then RoboCop had the you know I'd buy that for a dollar, right? Uh, kind of like you know uh, Paul Verhoeven kind of being like, I'm gonna I'm gonna make something stupid in mm-hmm. my kind of stupid movie because I want to kind of talk about it. Uh, do you think that that uh, like if it, that that um, Samurai Dreams and stuff are meant to be self parody of his own like quote smut? reputation 
does that strike you as a self-parody or does it just strike you as just sort of like i'm gonna do a fun thing in this movie or i feel like that's more like he wanted to just do something fun with it yeah yeah just i would i would agree spice things up yeah yeah well i always like to make the mention about uh self-reflexive filmmaking and uh it's uh, oh that's always fun yeah <laughs> think of yeah okay uh, so, does uh, anybody? We we're coming up on the hour mark. Does anybody have any uh, any more topics they'd like to cover on video drum? No, I think I, I, I've got everything. What about you, Crystal? I mean, as as my introduction to Cronenberg, I thought it was a fantastic introduction. You know, mm -hmm. uh, if this is your sort of film, I do want to say that I want to give the uh, the credit to the special effects, which are phenomenal throughout the film. Uh, mm -hmm. I love seeing the practical. Um, work put into everything absolutely what what uh, that's a that's one last question to kind of like float around uh but that we tend to do when we talk about movies that are special effects heavy um what's the favorite gag like which which gag really because i know a lot of people like have mentioned like uh i think actually in like the 50 even scarier horror uh horror movie moments or mm -hmm. uh, movie moments someone mentioned like seeing the box of videodrome on the back which was like the gun Right. pushing out of it uh and that how that gave them nightmares as like an eight-year-old like mm -hmm. the effects work in this movie is extremely arresting and, and extremely strange right. but what are, what are some of your guys's favorite uh, uh favorite gags my favorite gag is uh convex's death i mean it's just it's it's so unlike anything really that they've shown on screen before this was before the thing came out yeah um and yeah that is pretty it, it was, was it's pretty spectacular <laughs> right this is him just erupting in a mass of tumors was like it would have been so easy to go overboard on that and just have him like literally exploding you know into into chunks um, like in scanners like yeah. in scanners yeah yeah, yeah. The, like, um, but, exploding. but this was just it works every time um and that's i would say for all the pretty much all the effects that that it, i've seen this movie I don't even know how many times and it works mm. every time. So yeah. Yeah. I, I like the more subtle of the of the gun merging with his hand. I think it mm -hmm. looks really cool. It's it it fits into the theme very well. I also liked hearing like how they did the behind the scenes on the uh when he pushes his face into the television. I thought that effect right. was really like it's a very simple concept, but it looks great on the screen. Yeah, it looks yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a I'm a chest vagina guy all the way. Right. Uh, yeah, I love that scene. Yeah. Yeah, I love that scene so much. Especially, I love the every uh, as as Sam put it, like it works every time. That mm -hmm. scene when he when he pulls his hand out and the slit's gone, the gun's gone. Right. Makes me laugh every time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, every single time I watch it, I just laugh at how at the incredulity on James Woods's face. He's like, I had a gun, didn't I? Right. <laughs> it's gone now uh it's i don't have a chest slit anymore and my gun is gone uh what happened um it makes me laugh every time but um but yeah i love i love the uh, uh exploding into tumors gag too um mm -hmm. it's also very effective all of the imagery is very effective um you know the sliding of the betamax into his uh into his chest vagina right. uh you know it, it's it's yeah, the thing that Sorry, say again. I said that the, the one you mentioned, that shot was great, but they're forcing it into right. into the his chest. I I love watching that because they 
it's a pretty interesting. I mean, like every like every effect in this film, it's phenomenal. But you yeah. know, it's yeah, Baker's it's, work. <laughs> yeah, Rick Baker is Rick Baker is was an absolute legend, and um, and and this is some of his finest work, I think. But also in the annals of body horror, I think like I'm not sure it ever got any better than this in terms no. of uh, body horror imagery. Um, you know, uh, it and part of the reason I think that is is because it's actually still somehow as as over the top as it kind of is it's actually somewhat understated um mm -hmm. yeah it yeah it, it feels very natural or organic to to kind of use a pun there but right like, uh it, it's 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 peppered into the film in such a manner that it never like uh uh sam and i talked about this when we talked about like from dust till dawn which had some great visual effects work, but the gags uh, are so rapid fire that you kind of don't remember any of them. Um, right. And, and Videodrome is... Yeah, with Videodrome, it still has a really interesting and, and thought-provoking narrative to tell. Every effect right. that it has specifically to, um, to, like, to hit that point home further. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Any other any other topics we want to cover before we wrap up for the for the evening? What What do you guys think of the score? I mean, oh, that's a good question. Yeah. What do you think? I thought Arthur? it was, oh, thought it was thought... a little bit over over the top in places. Like I just they could have pulled it back in some scenes because there's some spots where I think there's just too much score. But hmm. sorry, go ahead, Crystal. Oh no, no, I I I, I like hearing your uh, perspective on that. I was just like. I, I, I like the score, uh, but I think I think Cronenberg and Shores, um, basically team the team of the two of them is a really interesting mix. I always like the intro of the film, you know, with the score playing. Yeah. I know it's a simple credit credit, you know, like opening credit thing, but I always feel like you know watching that opening, it's like you're you're getting ready to 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 step into this world, and I feel like that score works well. I I don't remember it being heavy-handed mm -hmm. in this film i was watching actually coincidentally enough i was watching scanners today uh ah. that's the film where i actually felt the score was a little bit more yeah that's for sure than um than it was needed but i didn't really feel it with 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 uh video mm -hmm. specifically but i can see what you mean yeah there's there's a couple of spots like very little ones like like when he's like searching his apartment for for stuff and it's like okay you can pull back on the score just a tiny <laughs> tiny bit yeah yeah i, I yeah I, I guess i might agree with that i mean right. i i particularly i don't think i particularly noticed it very much except for mm -hmm. a certain aspect like the the chest vagina scene has that kind of low hum right uh, in the score that i thought really worked um Maybe at the bigger moments, I wasn't really paying attention to it. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I... I also watched it like three times this week. So, I mean, oh, you know, okay. it could just be... So you're you're well, over... Maybe yeah. so. The last time I watched it was like a month ago. So Right, right. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, Sam's, Sam, you're too, you're too, uh, too committed, buddy. You gotta, right. Yeah. You, gotta, you gotta... Well, I wanted to watch it earlier in the week. And I'm like, well, this is now it's too early. And then I watched it again. Like, <laughs> yeah, I do the same ago. thing. I gotta watch it again today. I'm like, I gotta wait. Yeah, I do the same thing. I'm like, I gotta wait to like right at the end, uh, or I'll uh, if I do it too early, I I won't remember what the hell I'm gonna do. Right. Um, even though today I didn't remember what the hell I was gonna do anyway, so it worked out. Um, 
but yeah, uh, so uh, Crystal, where do we find uh, where do we where do listeners find you and and your stuff? Well, I am I am the as mentioned at the top, I am one of the co-hosts of the Gals of Geekdom podcast. Mm-hmm. You can just go to at Gals of Geekdom, um, but we're available on all major, you know, like wherever you can get podcasts. I'm mm-hmm. sure you can load it somewhere. Um, but you can also follow me on Twitter at Crystal W Rocks. And you can read my articles uh, over on Medium on Crystal Williams, where I write about social, um, political issues over there. And uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. Very cool, very cool. And uh, Gals of Geekdom is definitely worth listening to. So uh, if you're into geeky stuff and social issues, go check that out. Um, and uh, yeah, so I guess that about wraps us up this week. Crystal, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you. Uh, it was fun. We're not usually this, uh, I'm not usually this disjointed. Sam was fine this week. Sam was weird. <laughs> uh, I'm not usually this, uh, this, this scattered, but uh, this week just wasn't my week, I guess. But um, it happens when you uh, kind of wing things. So, um, but yeah, Sam, uh, you want to take us out? Yeah. The, thank you once again for listening. We appreciate, you know, any, any of our listeners, all of our listeners. Uh, tell your friends about us. Tell your enemies about us. Tell somebody about us. Yeah, tell, know, your, tell your enemies particularly. Tell your therapist. You know, I don't. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> your priest will uh, love us, right? Yeah. Yeah. Crystal, one, once again, thank you so much for coming. It was thank wonderful you. to have you. Yeah. Uh, and I just like to remind everybody to be kind, rewind, but mostly be kind. Thank you. Long live the new flesh. Yes. Thank you,